Good morning. Today I have two verses to read, and I'm not trying to magnify that assignment, but I want to tell you where this sits. A few weeks back we read from Matthew, the begats, the lineage of Jesus from Abraham down to Jesus' birth. And I wanted to let you know that Josiah fits in there about two-thirds of the way through those names. And we're going to talk about him a little bit. He was like a breath of fresh air for the nation. If you'll stand with me, I'm going to read Second Kings 22, verses 1 and 2. Amon, the king of Judah, preceded him. That was his father. And Manasseh was worse than that, and he preceded. So Josiah had some things to do to clean things up. And how did he know about that? Well, (laughs) I don't know how well he knew about that. But he was eight years old. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. And the world was in a mess. And he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother's name was Jadida, daughter of Adea. She was from Bozkath. And I'm sure you all know where that is. (laughs) But this is the custom as they go through the names. All right. And I'm ready now for verse 2. You've been ready for a while. He, Josiah, did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. Now, I mentioned David because he's part of that lineage, and he's back toward the beginning from where Josiah was. He was indeed uh, a father to, to um, David was a father to Josiah. And somewhere in that lineage, things are starting to go right here. (laughs) Um, I appreciate your listening to the verses this morning. And I hope the pastor's voice holds out. Thank you. I do. Thank you. Thank you, Gail. You've, uh, You've all heard the expression, I'm sure, right on target. You have heard that expression, okay. So if you're, uh, that means if you're right on target, you get it. Uh, it means uh, you got it right or, or you've been successful or something to that effect. It can, I think the meaning is pretty broad. Actually, that expression is not accurate, though. I think in describing the outcome we desire to see when we say on target. Um, I intended to bring a target this morning because I thought I had some at home and I found out I didn't. Um, but you know, the, the targets I generally use are all a foot to 18 wide, maybe 24 inches high. And depending on the target, it might have more than one. Uh, well, generally there's a one place in the middle that we call the bullseye. I've entitled my... Uh, and you don't have a title because uh, I was lax this week. Uh, my brain was fogged and all that. But it's, I've entitled my message, Bullseye Obedience. And I'm, 
I'm going to use a illustration that comes from some things I have experience with. Um, so I want to talk about shooting and targets and bullseyes this morning. Um, I enjoy hunting and, and I hunt with a rifle, so shooting is uh, certainly a part, an integral part of hunting. And um, uh, by the way, I'm talking about hunting with a rifle, not with a shotgun, because that's a whole different experience. For me, preparing for hunting season always involved, one of the things it involved was sighting in my rifle so that I knew that it was what we call dialed in. In other words, when I pulled the trigger, I knew where the bullet was going to go. Um, I wanted to make sure my rifle was shooting accurately. Um, accuracy was what I was aiming for. Now, you might be surprised to know how many factors go into shooting accurately. Any competitive shooter understands that in order to put all their shots in the bullseye, there are a number of factors that will determine their ability to do so. And although hunting accuracy and competitive shooting accuracy are not always viewed the same, um, the factors that affect accuracy apply to both, whether you're a competitive shooter or, or hunting. And let me explain the difference. Um, if I was a competitive shooter, well, here, I've got a, a piece of a target that I saved. You'll have to excuse the way it looks. Um, can you see, can you all see this? Okay, see the tape? Those are shots that I covered up with tape, okay, because I wanted to reuse the target. This is the group I ended up shooting. So there's two shots there and one shot there. So that's a, that's a, a group that's under an inch in size. And you notice it's in the middle, which is where I wanted it to be. And because I, I tend to sight my rifle in to be approximately one, two inches high at 100 yards, those shots are basically where I wanted them to be. And they're in the center of the target. It would have been nice if it had been just one jagged hole. All right? So, you know, now, you know, the target's this big. We say on target, that means you could be anywhere on that piece of paper. Is that really what you want to do? You know, certainly not as a competitive shooter. As a competitive shooter, you want as small and tight a group as you can possibly get. That jagged hole I was talking about would be great. As a hunter, you want to... Somewhere in this area, because if you're uh, interested in one-shot kills, that's what you want to do. You want to be as humane as possible about it. So you want, you're interested in accuracy. Some, some factors that affect accuracy are beyond the shooter's control. And those things would be weather, wind, terrain, things like that. Others, however, are within the hunter or shooter's control. Speaking of the firearm and the ammunition alone, and this may be boring stuff to you, but to someone who's interested in this and wants to shoot accurately, it's pretty important. Things like barrel length and the weight of the barrel 
and the type of action you're going to use, like a brake action or bolt action or lever action or pump action or semi-automatic. Um, the type and an amount of propellant or powder that's in the cartridge. What we call lock time. Lock time is how long it takes that primer to strike, I'm, excuse me, the firing pin to strike the primer once you pull the trigger. That varies in different makes of rifle, and some custom rifles have very, very short lock times. Um, the primers you use, the brass you use, and sights or optics that may be on the firearm, and others that I haven't even thought of. And if you're someone who's really into accuracy, you could probably name a dozen others. And for the shooter, things like breath control and steadiness and shooting position and trigger squeeze all go into accuracy. The point is that all of these things are important elements in shooting for accuracy. And if you ignore any one of them, accuracy may suffer. However, if you pay close attention to every detail, you, if you're careful with each phase or step, of the loading and shooting process, and chances are you will put every shot in almost the same spot, and we want that spot to be the bullseye. So I'm going to look today at the life of someone who had his sights set on hitting the bullseye. He was careful to pay attention to all those things that would ensure that he hit the mark. His name was Josiah. He was king over Judah, and he was into accuracy. But the mark that he aimed for was not a spot on a paper target. It was the mark at the center of God's will. It was the bullseye of wholehearted obedience to God. That was the mark that Josiah was aiming for. A little background, uh, Gail touched on it a little bit. The kingdom had been... The kingdom had been divided since the death of Solomon into the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. Each kingdom had been ruled by a succession of kings, most of whom, unfortunately, were wicked and disobedient to God. King Ahab and Queen Jezebel are notable examples of the kind of wicked leadership that prevailed. There were, however, kings such as Joash, Hezekiah and now Josiah interspersed in the ruling line who did what was right in the sight of the Lord. This type of leadership seemed to be the exception, especially in the northern kingdom of Israel. As a result, when a godly king took the throne, he often found himself ruling over a land full of wickedness. He had a mess to deal with. Joseph's father, Ammon, was assassinated after reigning only two years. And so Josiah became king when he was only eight years old. Uh, just a side note, because um, Gail mentioned this, it, it tells us who Josiah's mother is. And I think there's a reason for that. And certainly we wouldn't understand who this woman is or where she came from, but... Just a little thought about why Josiah may have kind of broken the mold of his ancestor Manasseh and his father Ammon. It tells us who his mother was. Now, it was the custom of kings in that day to marry multiple wives. 
And often they married wives from other countries or kingdoms in order to create safe relationships with those countries or kingdoms. And often those women brought with them the religion of their country or kingdom, the idols that they worshipped. And often the children that the king bore by these women were actually stepbrothers and sisters because they had the same father but different mothers. All right? So it's very possible that Josiah's mother was a godly Jewish woman, not a woman from some of these, one of these other countries. And so she, and because, because of the way they did things, it tended to be the mother that had the primary influence in the child's life, because the child's life, because the king had all these wives, he just, they didn't live together necessarily as a family under one roof. You know, it was kind of, this mother and children are here, this, and so that may be the reason why Josiah kind of broke the mold um, of these other kings that had preceded him. Well, verse 2 gives us a summary of the way Josiah lived and reigned. It says, And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the ways of David his father, and he did not turn aside to the right or to the left. He aimed for the bullseye, folks. Here was a king who sought to hit the bullseye. He knew what it meant to be completely obedient. Josiah practiced bullseye obedience. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, it says this, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many, many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. And it says, Josiah, Josiah turned neither to the right nor to the left. He stayed in the narrow way, did he not? So if you... If you do turn to the right or left, you're off the road of obedience because it's narrow. It's narrow. In the New Testament, the word translated sin most often in, in Greek is the word hamartano. It means to miss, not to hit. One who keeps missing the mark. The picture here of that word, as it, it kind of if you unpack it, the picture here is that of Roman archers when they practiced. And what they would do is they would set up a, wa- a, a wagon wheel, and we know that uh, if you take uh, a wagon wheel off the wagon, there's a hub in the center that goes off the axle. They would set that wheel up, and the goal was to put your arrow through the center of that hub. And if you missed, the word was hamartano. You missed the mark. You missed the bullseye. That, then, is the word that was used most often for sin in the New Testament. So if you are a shooter who is trying for accuracy, then simply being somewhere on the paper on the target is not good enough. The only thing that is acceptable is hitting the bullseye right here in the middle. What we need to realize in terms of obedience and hitting the mark 
is that hitting the mark is the only thing that is acceptable to God. (laughs) Not being on the paper somewhere. It's bullseye. That's what, listen, partial obedience, delayed obedience, that's being on the paper somewhere, folks. That's not acceptable to God. We may be tempted to think that when it comes to obedience, hitting somewhere on the target is okay, but nothing could be farther from the truth. Thinking that 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 it is acceptable to miss the mark is missing the mark. Did you get what I just said? Thinking that it's acceptable to miss the mark is missing the mark. We can't let ourselves think that obedience to God is a good, better, best proposition. Right? It's not a good, better, best proposition. It is either hit or miss. There's a lot of things in the scripture that are like that, aren't there? Heaven or hell? All right. Love or hate? King Josiah recognized that it was hit or miss. And consequently turned neither to the right or left, but stayed on that narrow way that led right to the bullseye. So how do we avoid turning to the right or left? How do we avoid... How do we Uh, Make sure that we hit the mark. Well, first of all, point number one, take God's word seriously. Take God's word seriously. In the 18th year of his reign, Josiah orders the repair of the temple. Because of his predecessors and the worship that had taken place, it had fallen into disuse and disrepair. In the process of repairing the temple, the book of the law is discovered. Hilkiah, the high priest, finds it. And he gives it to Shaphan, who is the secretary, and Shaphan reads it. And he then takes the book to, to King Josiah and reads it to him. And listen to Josiah's reaction when he hears the book of the law read. It says in verses 11 through 13 of of, uh, chapter 22 that we read from earlier, When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. He gave these orders to Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam the son of Shaphan, Akbor the son of Micaiah, Shaphan the secretary, and Isaiah the king's attendant. Go and inquire of the Lord for me, for the people, and for all Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us, because those who have gone before us have not obeyed the words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written there concerning us. And so this group of men that the king has commissioned go to the prophetess Huldah to hear from God. And part of the message they they heard was this in verses 18 and 19. Tell the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says concerning the words you heard, the words of the book of the law. Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I... When you heard what I have spoken against this place and its people, that they would become a curse and be laid waste, and because you tore your robes and wept in my presence, I also have heard you, declares the Lord. 
Josiah's immediate reaction to the truth of God's word was that he responded and humbled himself and repented. Taking God's word seriously means that we respond to it. We allow, we allow it to impact the way we think and the way we live. We take action to obey it. We, we don't do what it tells us not to do and we do what it tells us to do. And we search it. We have got a lot of folks out there today in the world where we live and some of them preachers that are looking at God's Word and basically saying, well, that's not what God really means there. I guess we're a lot more enlightened now. We have to take God's Word seriously. God, I think God says what He means. And we just, we can't dance around it. We need to take God's word seriously. And like Josiah, we also need to realize the need for repentance. Listen, when God's word reveals to us that we have been disobedient, that we have offended him, then we need to repent. That is genuine sorrow for our failure to keep God's word. In other words, for our sin. That's a word we don't like in our world today, but it's true. It's We still sin. People sin. God talks about it a lot in the Scripture. It means humbling ourselves before God and repenting, turning and doing the right thing. I think there's been a tendency sometimes, and and part of it is the fault of what is heard from the pulpit, to stop at the point of confession. Well, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all righteousness. That is a great scripture. I, 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 I've relied on the truth of that scripture many times. But folks, that cannot be the stopping point. We do need to confess our sins. But listen, we've got to determine in our hearts not to keep doing that. We've got to turn and walk in a new direction. That's what repentance is about. God, you were right and I was wrong. I sinned and I'm sorry. And that, that admission is certainly necessary, but for change to take place, we must also be repentant. It's that decision we make to change our ways, to reverse our course, and come into continual obedience to God. And if we take God's word seriously, not only will we allow it to, to work in our lives, to determine the way we think and the way we act, but when God's word tells us that we're out of line, we need to confess that, we need to be, repent of it. We need to take God's word seriously. The second thing I see here is that we need to pay attention to the details. I think of that I know it's in the Song of Solomon, but it's the, it's the thing that says it's the little foxes that spoil the grapes. Those little things that we might tend to want to ignore in our lives and say that's not a big deal. 
Listen, that was a problem with even some of the godly kings that preceded Josiah. They hadn't cleaned house as completely as they needed to. They left some things in place. And what happened was those things were temptations. They continued to pull people down. If you read chapter 23 of 2 Kings, it goes into really, I think, pretty lengthy detail. I thought about reading it to you, but I'll let you do that. But it goes into fairly lengthy detail concerning how Josiah cleaned things up. If you read that, you'll find that he left no stone unturned. He removed from the land everything that might be an offense to God and a temptation to the people. He dealt with the details. And folks, the details are important. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. But among you there must not be, and here's the detail, Phrase, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality, of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God, Christ and of God. Paul says, pay attention to the details. Those little things can trip you up. His instruction, not a hint. If, if, we, if we were writing, uh, if Paul were writing this today, he might say something to this effect. Be really careful about what you watch, what you read. Be careful about what you put in your body, what you listen to, who you hold in esteem or imitate. Be careful where you go and what you participate in. You know, I think that sometimes there's a tendency to think a little of these things is Okay. That, folks, is a target mentality. Oh, well, if I hit somewhere on the paper, that's good enough. But Paul says, and we see this in the life of Josiah, no hint. That's the bullseye mentality. We're careful about the details of our lives. And Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11, give us, 9 through 11 give us some pretty good instruction here. It says, how can a young person... I don't know if we need that young qualifier in there because I think it can be young or old or somewhere in between. Let's see, how can a person stand the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Amen. Josiah cleaned up every detail that would hinder his and his people's relationship with God. And we must be careful to do the same thing in our own lives. And then the third thing I see here. Decide for determined obedience. Decide for determined obedience. Folks, if we don't make, if, if we don't make a decision about something, it, it ain't going to happen. 
excuse me. In verse 3 of chapter 23, it tells us that Josiah and the people <clears throat> renewed their covenant with God. It says, The king stood by the pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord. To follow the Lord and keep His commands. We're making a determined decision at this point. To follow the Lord and keep His commands, statutes and decrees with all His heart and with all His soul, thus confirming the words of the covenant written in this book. Then all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. And listen, folks, you know what the covenant was all about? It was all about obedience to God. And then what He would do if the people were obedient. But their part was obedience. And I'm not talking on the target obedience. I'm talking bullseye stuff here. I mean, they'd tried the target stuff and it hadn't worked. I, throughout their history, we have this issue of them deciding that in order to cover our bases and make sure we get everything that we want, we're going to worship God, but we're going to worship a few idols too that have control over things like rain and storms and the crops and the fertility of our livestock and things like that. Well, they're still worshiping God. I guess you might say they were on the target somewhere, but they were missing the bullseye by a long, long way. And so... Josiah and the people reaffirm the covenant, and it says, and all the people pledge themselves. They pledge themselves to the covenant. You know what a pledge is? It's a binding promise or agreement to do. This was a decision to determine obedience. And then later in, in chapter 23, we find this. Speaking of Josiah... I think this is an, I want, I wanted to tell you when I started this morning, I've got a picture of Josiah. It's my grandson's name. And they, they named him after a good guy because listen, listen to this. This is what the scripture says about Josiah. Talk about being commended. Neither before now, there were some godly kings before Josiah. Nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did. With all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength in accordance with the law of Moses. Wow! You can put him at the top of the heap. Sound familiar? I mean, that all is so... Listen to what it says back in Deuteronomy 6.5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And that's exactly what Josiah did. But to love God is to keep His commands. Bullseye. Listen, folks, there was nothing half-hearted about the way Josiah approached his relationship to God. There was a determination to obey down to the last detail. It was bullseye obedience. And I will tell you this morning, that's what God's Word requires. And that's what Josiah did. And that's what we need to do as well. So let me challenge you this morning. If you've been tempted to it, put away the target mentality. And instead, shoot for the mark. 
Let's learn from the example of Josiah and refuse to turn to the right or to the left, choosing instead to walk in the way of bullseye obedience. Amen? Amen. That's a great way. That's a great goal to set for 2019. Um, We're going to uh, participate in communion right now, so if those who will be serving us would come forward at this time. And gentlemen, as soon as you're ready, please go ahead and begin distributing the elements.